and we're going to spend this month looking at community. How many know that the banana that left the bunch got eaten? Don't be the banana that leaves the bunch. I think we could go home now and just don't leave the bunch. Recently, I came across this bloke and he's, I believe he's in the UK and he actually holds over 250 world records. This is incredible. This guy, is, his name is Neil Hands. He has over 250 world records in growing fruit and vegetables. Incredible that someone could get so much energy in growing fruit and vegetables. But this bloke, he has, he has literally grown the biggest vegetables. Have you ever seen those people that have a photo and like, they grow a pumpkin that's like bigger than their car? Why they would ever want to do that, I don't know. But this bloke has a world record of the biggest eggplant. Once again, I don't know why. I've eaten eggplants. But not only has he got the not only does he grow giant fruit and vegetables, he also has gone in competitions and won right across the world the, the greatest tasting fruit and vegetables. The greatest quality, the greatest look, the greatest texture, the greatest taste. This is incredible. And there was an article written about him and, and reporters came and they said to him, Neil. What is the secret to your amazing produce? And do you know what he did? He didn't actually point at the fruit. He didn't even point at the plant. He pointed at the soil. And he said, the secret is the soil. And he went on to unpack that in the UK, he had a farm that had unique soil. And he went on to tell the reporters that there was such a, a unique part of the soil in the UK whereby these, these plants would just flourish and bear amazing fruit. I would like to propose this morning that where you plant yourself matters. Where you plant yourself really matters. We all want to thrive, we all want to flourish, we all want to bear fruit and we need to be planted in the soil of community. It's a non-negotiable. Maybe there's someone in your life or people in your life where you, like, you look at them and you're just like, hey, they are so healthy. Holistically, they're so healthy. Doesn't mean that they don't have difficult circumstances. It doesn't mean that everything goes perfect for them. But what it means is when you think about them, you just think about health. I would like to propose that there has been something going on for many years in the soil of where they've planted themselves. It's not that they've won the gold lotto, it's not that these amazing circumstances have come but it's that they've planted themselves in the soil of community. We're going to have a look at a passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2, 
verse 43. If you've got your Bibles, if you can turn there this morning, Acts chapter 2, verse 43. I'm just going to read a few verses here. It says, starting at verse 43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is incredible. These couple of verses here give us a picture of what the early church, what was happening in the early church. This was revival. This is incredible that they they were seeing miracles, they were seeing signs and wonders They were seeing exactly what we were praying for this morning. They were seeing the impossibilities bow their knee to the name of Jesus. They were in one heart, one mind. There was generosity. They were meeting together and they were seeing people added daily. The gospel was being preached. This is revival. This is a great outpouring of God. How many know this is the fruit? These four verses here describe the fruit of revival. And if we go back to our analogy with the, with the world record holder, this is this amazing fruit, this healthy fruit that is seen on the trees in this passage. But how many know that it's so good that the Lord actually gives us answers? And we're going to go back and we're going to have a look at what the soil was for where this fruit was born. I love this because not only does the scripture tell us, not only does Luke tell us about the fruit in this revival, but he tells us what they were doing to see this amazing fruit. And that's found in verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to number one, the apostles' teaching, number two, fellowship, Number three, breaking of bread. And number four, prayer. I would like to propose this morning that these four elements were in the soil that birthed the revival. How many know that you can get around and we're all talking about, hey, what's the silver bullet? What's the strategic plan for anything? But in this context, church church growth. I would like to propose that it's simple. Doesn't mean it's easy, but it's simple. It says they devoted themselves to four things, four pillars were in the environment that saw amazing outpouring of God. The one we're going to look at this morning is fellowship, which is community. The original word here for fellowship is actually a word called koinonia. And this word actually means the exchange of life. The original word here for fellowship is a word called koinonia and it means the exchange of life. It's talking about community. Oftentimes when we think about fellowship, we think about this. 
which is so important. But how many know it's actually meant to be deeper than corporate gatherings? This word here is so much deeper than corporate gatherings. This word that they devoted themselves to, this koinonia, is actually about sharing an exchange of life. It's actually deep connections. It's actually community. It's actually family. And this is what we see here in this passage of what the early church was doing. The Passion Translation says this for this word. It says their hearts were mutually linked to one another. Their hearts were gripped, linked, mutually to one another. So here we see in this passage that these amazing things that happened to the early church, the miracles, the signs and wonders, the, 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 the no one had anything in need, the, court, the, the, the gathering together, that was all amazing fruit. But the soil we see happened, and one of the big elements of that was this koinonia, this exchange of life, this community, this family. I find it interesting that this didn't happen overnight. The verse before verse 42 is obviously verse 41. And it says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 300, sorry, 3,000 were added to that number that day. We know that this is the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came and all of a sudden there's tongues of fire appear on the 120 that had gathered. And all of a sudden Peter gets up and he preaches a sermon and 3,000 people get saved that day. And as I've read this, sometimes I think that the next verse is, is like verse 42, and that's like the next day or the next week. Scholars tell us that the time between verse 41 and verse 42 is actually three years. Three years. Three years between the outpouring of the Spirit of God and this amazing fruit that we see. I would like to propose that there was something going on which took time for this amazing outpouring of God to be realized. There's no doubt that the Holy Spirit that came upon them in that moment was something unprecedented that they had never seen before. But there was something that went on that day by day faithfully doing, tending to the soil, day by day doing these four things that reaped an amazing fruitful harvest. Right now, even this thought of community goes against goes against the social constructs of the day. It goes against our world that we live in. Isn't it interesting that we applaud a self-made millionaire? Have you ever thought about this? that we applaud, we put that person on a pedestal and say, he or she is a self-made millionaire. What an amazing job that they became a millionaire without any help from anyone else. 
Isn't this crazy that this is what we applaud, this is what we celebrate, especially in our Western culture? We say, hey, without any help, he or she, they just did it all by themselves. Independent. In isolation, they become a self-made millionaire. And isn't it crazy that the gospel tells us something opposite to that? It says, hey, if you want to be successful, if you want healthy lives, there's something about this place of community. There's something about that humility that we come into and we put aside our pride and we actually say we need help in the context of community. I want to spend a bit of time and just talk about what biblical community looks like. I would like to propose this morning that true biblical community requires a covenant. Once again, this word covenant is not something that we use a lot. But I read this definition of what covenant is in in a biblical context, and I'm going to share it with you now. This is what it says. It says, covenant is a binding agreement that requires death. Someone smile at me, come on. Let me say it again. Covenant is a binding agreement that requires death. What it's saying here is that when we step into this biblical covenant, when we step into a a, a covenant in community, it actually requires sacrifice. It actually means that I haven't come just to get my needs met, but I actually come into this connection that God has placed here, which is what we call church, where I actually lay my life down for other people. It's interesting that the scripture actually says, Jesus actually says, or I think it's Paul, they're, they're both amazing. Um, but the scripture says that, that it, it's instruction to, to, to husbands and he says, hey, lay down your life like Christ, Christ laid his life down for the church. In other words, die. And here in this covenant relationship, as we come together as believers creating community, there is this thing where, hey, I'm not just coming here to get my needs met. I'm actually coming here to lay my life down. When Jesus was journeying with his disciples, it was about a year before his death and resurrection, Jesus started to say to them, hey, one of you guys is going to betray me. And then on the night that he was betrayed, the Bible calls it the Last Supper. He actually says it again. He says, hey, fellas, someone is going to betray me. And it seems that he put a little bit more emphasis into it this time because Peter turns and says, hey, is it actually me? And in this moment where Jesus is saying, Someone's going to betray me. The next words he says is, let's make covenant. A covenant in my blood. He takes the the wine and the bread and breaks it and says, let's make a covenant. And it's interesting that the moment he said, let's make a covenant, Judas gets up and leaves the room. 
And Jesus says, what you need to do, go and do it quickly. I would like to propose this morning that Judas tried to be intimate with Jesus outside of covenant. And ironically, that night later, he betrayed him with a kiss. We have, sometimes we can adopt this attitude of Judas, where we actually want intimacy with God, intimacy with people outside of covenant. We're living in a society right now where even in the context of marriage, how many know that marriage was designed that you actually come and die? Does everyone realize that? I didn't realize that for most of my marriage. But marriage is actually designed, biblical marriage by definition and by design is actually we come and die. We actually come and we actually trust our spouse to meet our needs, our desires and everything like that and we actually then go about meeting their needs and desires. We actually put aside our wants, our dreams, our desires, our needs and we actually entrust someone else to meet those. That's what the covenant of marriage is. It's about laying down, it's about dying. And sometimes, rather than bringing an attitude like that into community, we, we bring an attitude that's like, hey, I just want to come and get whatever I can. And if it doesn't work out, I'll move on. Now, of course, that would be nobody here. It'd be those other people. But our society right now is telling us, Hey, don't commit. Don't step into covenant. Sit back and see what happens. Because how many know covenant is messy? It's uncomfortable. It's sometimes awkward. It's inconvenient. And we can bring this attitude into church and into community and say, hey, I want to be part of this community, but I'm not going to engage in covenant. I want to be part of the community, but I want to do it outside of covenant. And I'd like to propose that it doesn't actually work. The strength of it is in covenant relationships. Now, I'm not talking about like cutting pinkies off and spitting on hands and, you know, all that stuff. I'm actually talking about this lifestyle of relationship where we say, hey, we're not going to leave when things get tough. If I have a disagreement with you, that doesn't make me run for the door. It actually means that we come into this place where we're like, we acknowledge that God has planted us here. That's first and foremost. We have to get to that position where we feel strongly the Lord himself has planted us and caused and uh, and asked us to grow and and, and plant ourselves here. And then we say, this is it. We're in covenant relationships. And this is where community, healthy community is birthed.
I would like to propose that covenant relationships will cost you something. Your time, your finance. inconvenience your pride so many things but this is what we see in Acts chapter 2 we we see a people who came into covenant community covenant relationships and connections and out of that very place the miraculous was birthed Our church is close to about 40 years old and it was birthed out of covenant relationships. It was birthed out of a great sense of community. Our church was birthed in its roots and in its origin about people that came together and said, hey, I'm going to have a covenant. God has called me here even though it might get messy, even though there was some bumpy times, there was a covenant there that said, God has called me here and until he calls me somewhere else, I'm not leaving. Growing up in this church, how many know that some things do get bumpy, some things do get messy? But I know growing up in this church that there was people that would travel and move homes from around the world to come here because there was something attractive about this sense of community and what God was building. Now, of course, there were some things that were a little bit bumpy. But how many know that that doesn't change that For us to build community is going to take sacrifice. For us to see what the the early church saw actually requires covenant relationships. It actually requires covenant community where people are like, hey, God's called me there and I'm not leaving until he releases me to another place. Our church was built on such relationships. I believe that the Lord is wanting to restore us back to the healthy part of covenant relationships. I believe we've only just scratched the tip of the tip of the iceberg of what could be possible as we come together and build a healthy community. Just like our world record holder, Neil Hands, who grew all this amazing fruit and vegetables and attributed the very success to the soil. 
I believe that the Lord wants to once again fulfill his promises over our church. To see miracles, signs and wonders. To see nobody in need. To see the gospel being preached. To seeing people being saved day by day. People meeting together praising God and enjoying the favor of people and the Lord adding to those numbers daily. How many know that a big element of the soil is community, is covenant relationships? Our vision says to transform our community through the love and power of Jesus. I believe our town is waiting for a group of people that will come together in covenant relationships in a sense of community. I believe that our town is waiting to see what could happen as we come together and say, hey, this may cost us a lot. This may not be comfortable. This may mean that we have to reprioritize our life even. This, this, this may mean that now I become vulnerable. This may mean that now I have to invite people into my life and people into those places where I have had clothes for a long time. But I believe that our town is waiting to see a group of people that will come together in healthy community and birth the miraculous in our town. Hebrews 13 verse 16 says this, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. I want to point out that this word share with others is actually the same word koinonia. This fellowship, this community, it's the same original word. And then it says, for which such sacrifices God is pleased. There will be a sacrifice. Sometimes we view fellowship or getting together as just like, hey, this is an amazing time, we just play cards. I, I would like to propose that that is important, but the fellowship and the koinonia, the, the, the community that, that we're talking about here in the early church was something of sacrifice. It was something that cost people something. Like Crystal was sharing it is going to cost us something. I'm just going to pray as we finish up. I just invite you, if you feel that the Lord is calling you into a deeper sense of community, I just want you to stand right now and I want to pray a grace over you. Maybe you've been hurt before. Maybe there's been some things that you don't understand and it's like, hey, that community, that covenant relationships can be pretty rough. But maybe here this morning you're like, hey, I just sense that the Lord is calling me closer. He's calling me deeper into covenant relationships. I, I, I invite you, if that's you and, and, and you're here and you maybe feel like, hey, the Lord is calling me to plant myself in this church. 
with this group of people and just invite you to stand as well. How many know that when we step into this vulnerable place, we need grace? How many of us need grace? So I'm just going to pray this morning, grace over us. As we strengthen some of those things that have been in our foundation, even starting 40 years ago. I'm going to pray that there would be such a grace to build healthy community. There would be such a grace to engage in covenant relationships. Of course it's messy. Of course there's the potential for hurt and inconvenience and vulnerability and all these words that just make your brain just spin just with the thought of it. But I believe that the Lord is wanting to birth something that is significant, that will touch our town. So this morning, Lord, we come together. We collectively just raise our hands and we say yes to what you want to do. Lord, we say yes to going a little bit deeper. We say yes to having that awkward conversation. We say yes to paying that price that, 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 that we know is there, but we just have been, been resisting. We say yes to meeting together, to being vulnerable. And Lord, I pray a grace upon every single person that's standing. Lord, that there would be so much grace. Lord, that every conversation, every time spent together would just be filled with grace. And I just pray as you prayed for us in John chapter 17, I pray that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. Lord, would you do such a work in us that our town would say, there is a God. Would you do such a work in us of, of community, not, not, not everyone looking the same, but full of diversity, but unity. That people would say that, wow, there's a church, there's a group of people there that love each other to such an extent there must be a God. Lord, that you would be glorified. That, Lord, that we would usher. We would see the greatest outpouring of God that has been promised. Lord, that this would be something that would so penetrate, so, so sink deep within us, that it would literally birth the miraculous like we've never seen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.